Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Maximize Your Influence. We're glad to have you here today, starting to pick up some good momentum with the show. We're really enjoying ourselves. Kurt is really enjoying himself. He's glad to be here. Y'all healed from the half marathon, Kurt? I'm healed. I had three or four days of long walks down the stairs and some sore muscles, but I am back and feeling good. Well, good, good. I am I am back from my vacation. Nobody feels bad for me. I've got a sore shoulder from fly fishing and golfing. I played that golf course up in Coeur d'Alene that has the floating green. Did you make it? Did you make it? And get I got free... on. Yeah. Oh, did you? I so did. you got what, a free t-shirt? What'd you get? I got a certificate that says I played there and got on. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, so much for a free t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not the kind of place that does t-shirts. Well, how about a free Sunday, a pat on the back, a hug, something. <laughs> something more than a piece of paper. And the only thing I got for it was somebody hit our boat on the way back. The next group oh. was teeing off and... Bam, a big loud noise on the side of the boat, and that's what I got for it. I mean, geez. Better than upside the head. I guess so. Maybe that would have set me right at golf ball upside (laughs) of the head. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good, good. Everybody, we want to thank you for listening to the show. We've had a great time doing it so far. We're starting to really get some momentum. I just want to have a couple of things. We'd love to have you subscribe to the feed on iTunes, on the Zoom Marketplace. I think we're up on BlackBerry right now. If we're not, and you care about that, then you're not even hearing this. <laughs> so we'll try to fix that, <laughs> though, to, to reach out to you BlackBerry people out there. And we would love to have comments on the blog at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. We actually have to go through, I know it sounds kind of lame, censorship a la North Korea. But we have to actually go through and approve the comments until we figure out a better way to do this because you just get shameless promotion. People troll blogs out there and and want to just promote their products, Viagra or whatever. So Kurt may message you back privately on that, but uh, we're just not going to put it up on the blog. (laughs) As you make good comments that contribute to the discussion, whether they're, hey, that was a great podcast, or you guys are morons, that's okay, we'll approve them. But if you're going to call us morons, at least do us the favor and tell us why, okay? (laughs) That's all we ask. We'd love to have you there. And comments, questions, ideas for the show – Go ahead and email us at MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com. That sound about right, Kurt? That's great. We love comments, feedbacks, questions you want answered on the show, topics you want to have covered, obstacles you're running into, the meaning of life, whatever it is that you want to know, put it on there. We'd love to hear your comments and get your feedback. We make no guarantees that our interpretation of the meaning of life is correct, but if you <laughs> ask us about it, we'll give you something. It's something. <laughs> I'll figure out something. Yeah, that's right. You know who needs to figure out something? Who's uh, that? Delta Airlines. Oh, good old Delta. Delta, good old. Where we live, Delta's a big hub, so we fly Delta a lot. But they just had a poll come out, and Delta is, drumroll, the least respected brand in America. Ouch. That's, uh, that's a PR nightmare for somebody. For somebody, yeah. Somebody got yelled at today, right? Oh, yeah. Somebody got fired today. <laughs> So you fly Delta all the time, as do I. Does this sound about right to you? I'm pretty loyal to them. They, they treat me better than most just because I have seniority and I fly so much. 
So I don't see a lot of the things that other people see because they have special lines and a few other things. But I think overall, all the airlines have taken a hit. The way they nickel and dime us, the way they treat us like cattle, the way they just really don't care and you really want an extra bag of peanuts. And the tensions are high from the security. There's so many things going against them that people are looking for things that are going wrong. And that's an important just persuasion lesson. If I go to a hotel and the first couple of things go wrong, then the whole time I'm there, I'm looking for things that are wrong that I need to be mad about. But if I show up and things, first two or three things going right, now I'm looking for things that are right, and it changes the total perspective. And I think that's what's happening here. First thing, you you got to get in line, and then you got to get strip searched, and then you got to stand in line for coffee, and then you got to stand in another line, and there's not enough chairs. It's just so many things that I think everyone's to the point where they're looking. They're looking for something that's wrong. I guess in an environment where everything is so regulated, they're starting out at the negative 10-yard line anyways because everybody's so grumpy about getting to the gate. That's not a fun process to go through. I don't know how they're going to manage that expectation. It's going to be tough. They're grumpy, and no matter what they say, they're not going to listen. When they hear it's boarding, they say, get back, get back. People are going to start crowding in. That's human nature and they get all upset people aren't listening but they get it you got to deal with human nature when they say it's time to board everyone's going to crowd the gate that's how it is it's how it's always been no one's going to change that no matter what they say well there's a few interesting tidbits from the story i'll just read a quick bit from it here says poor delta it gets less respect than even denny's and cigarette maker philip morris a new survey of business people finds that the airline is the least respected of the brands studied Yahoo Finance reports, the most respected, Pepsi and Coke in a tie. Core Branding, a branding research firm, asked respondents about 100 well-known corporate brands that have been publicly traded for at least five years. Favorability ratings were based on a company's reputation, how people view its management, and how promising it is as an investment. So basically, people view Delta as horrible reputation, incompetent management, and a dismal investment. That's not a good review. Yeah, again, someone's feeling some pain from that today. But the interesting thing is, and when you look at go back to 9-11, they weren't one of the airlines involved in that, but they are at the very, very bottom. So they've caused a lot of pain somewhere. Yeah, I think the bankruptcy and a few other things, you know, different experiences that people have had, I know they just, when I book them, I just feel like I get raked over the coals on price. Even though I live in a hub, I'm usually getting... I just booked a ticket to Orlando, for example, the other day, and I'm sure the listeners love to hear me gripe about airfares, but I've got to go to Orlando from Salt Lake City, and I got it on Southwest for 450 bucks. On Delta, it was 700 I mean, it's crazy. It is, and they get you, too, because if they're the only nonstop, they tend to crank up their prices quite a bit. Uh, well, for me, it's beyond the point to where the nonstop is worth it, because I yeah. do place uh, some value on that. It's nice to... Get on the plane, and then when you get off, you're where you're going. Yeah, it cuts your travel time in half almost. It does, but I guess the couple hundred bucks is where I start going, eh, I'll sit yeah. in Chicago for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's true for most people. Yeah, I think so. Well, I thought it was funny that Pepsi and Coke were in a tie at the top there. That was kind of <laughs> kind of interesting that people respect them that much. Well, mood matters. We go fly. It gives us a negative mood. We're looking for things that are wrong. With Pepsi and Coke, it's sugary, it's full of caffeine, it's fun, it's something that uh, people enjoy, and something that they get addicted to, so put them on top of the list. 
I think that would be it. It's, it's so much easier to maintain the quote-unquote quality of service for Pepsi and Co. I mean, they, they put the drink in a bottle, do some cool Super Bowl ads. They're right where they were last year, if not better. But Delta and all the airlines, with all the costs going up, I mean, how much more crabby are the employees? How much less service do you get? How much more money do you have to pay now? When the consumer perceives themselves as just getting nickel and dimed the whole way along and the quality of service going down, that equals the least respected brand in America. So a big congratulations to Delta. You've got some work to do. Yeah, hopefully they can pull it out and uh, understand how it works and deal with you know the cost-cutting and the regulations, but also deal with the customer and, and have everybody win. That's correct. That's correct. Where there is a great crisis, there's great opportunity. Maybe some whiz kid will come in and turn that brand around. But it's going to take some time to rebuild that faith that people once had in them. They've got to do it if they want to stick around. They do. Speaking of that, there's the sound, Kurt. It's time for the blunder. The blunder. We love the blunder. I hope our listeners love the blunders because it's fun to watch the blunders. That's right. (laughs) And uh, when you start looking for them, they just show up everywhere. In fact, listeners, if you have your own blunders, we'd love to hear from you and maybe even give you a guest spot on the show or talk about it on the show if you see a blunder that you want us to talk about and how to fix it. There is no shortage of supply for blunders. And I think, Kurt, you're going to pick on a organization that we have the warm and fuzzies for a little bit that does a lot of good in the world, and you're just going to be very cruel to the Red Cross? <laughs> What's wrong with you? They're a great organization. They do great things, and I am very loyal and will remain loyal. I gave blood today, and I am O negative. If you know anything about blood, that means I am a universal donor. It's kind of a rare blood, but anybody, basically you could put my blood into anybody and they'd be okay because there's different blood types. So they hound me every 56 days. <laughs> I get the phone calls on my cell phone to come please give blood because people are dying. And, <laughs> and you know, I do. I don't mind doing it. I mean, when you look at it, you save three lives. I mean, that's pretty cool. And so that's why most people do it. You save three lives, but they don't pay you anything. And it's interesting the process you have to go through. There's other people out there that would pay me for my blood, but I give it to these guys. Now, it's interesting that when you look at the people in the United States, for example, only 5% of the people in the United States give blood. That's terrible. And you say, well, why would that be? Well, takes time. People are busy. We got to mention the needle, right? The needle's there. I mean, that's part of it. So I hate that thing. (laughs) And so a lot of people don't. And part of it too is the process that you go through. So I'm volunteering my time, giving up my blood. And it took me from my house there and back an hour and 10 minutes of my time. Okay. And so I show up and they were nice. So I signed in and they gave me a book to read. I'm like, really? So I pretended to read it. I went through it. I've been there how many times, but you have to read it every time, supposedly. So I pretend to look at it and give it back, and then they ID'd me. I have to show them a driver's license to prove that it's really me. I'm like, okay. And then you sit down, and here come all the evasive questions. (laughs) You know about this and the drugs and the people you're sleeping with and this. And they ask the same exact questions every time. Where have you traveled to? You know, I travel a lot, and, and every time I tell them, They have to get a supervisor and they talk about it instead of keeping notes that that's okay, I can still give blood. Now they've added to where I have to sign a little waiver that says I'm not going to sue them if I pass out and die and have a heart attack. And then you get in there and the actual blood 
taking occurs, which they timed me today. It took me five minutes and 10 seconds to fill up the bag. I don't know if that's good, but the actual process was five minutes and, and 10 seconds. I'm thinking, wow, you know, I have a lot of free time. I don't mind doing it, but all these things on top of each other, it just makes it harder for me to give or anybody to give. And they need to do a better job as far as recruiting people because 5% out of the United States is not good. They promote it as you're giving back, you're saving three lives. They promote it as, you know, you could need blood someday, which is fine. But they're missing the big picture. When we talk about persuasion, they're missing the things that it does and, and reason people would give blood. I mean, think about it. Some people do it maybe for the free food, the college students. That's a benefit. So there's free food. You can have almost a whole meal there. You get a free physical. They check uh, your blood pressure and the pulling blood out of you. They're testing this or doing that. So there's a free physical. And you know what? It feels good to save lives. But they don't talk about, hey, when they take up some blood out of you, you lose a pound. Where else can you sit for five minutes and they take out blood and you lose a pound? That's pretty cool. And above and beyond that, replacing your blood, you burn 600 calories. So that's like, what, two free Snickers? Right? <laughs> Nobody knows that. And to me, it's like, that's my oil change. I want to go get my oil change. I'll just get rid of some of this old blood. My body's going to make new blood. But here's what people don't really understand, especially for men. When men give blood, their chance of heart attack goes down by 30%. You think about that? Have you ever heard that before? I've never heard that. I did not know that. That Exactly. I mean, all of these benefits that people don't know about that maybe they should talk a little bit. I mean, you, know, you got the one side as far as making it so hard to give blood. And, and granted, they have to. There's diseases and things, and they got to cover their rear end. And I'm sure they have all these policies in place. But for me, you want to track me every 56 days, I want to pull up to a drive-up window, stick my arm out. Don't ask me any <laughs> questions. I've already answered your questions. Give me a hamburger while you take – well, my heart might stop. Give me some, my food to eat while you're taking my blood and let me on my way. And it would be so much easier. So I was just thinking that through, going through that whole process. Get it, take my blood. I'm okay with that. But really, an hour and 10 minutes versus the actual blood taking was only five minutes and all the evasive questions. And again, I know they're covering the rear end and they have to do it, but it's the same questions every time. It's the same book every time. And I understand the physical, and that's a good thing to have. But there were so many things in place to where it was making me not want to do it. So where was this? Was this at a Red Cross center or at some kind of improvised place at like a school or something? No, it was the center. It was so one of their... this isn't like a temporary setup. This is a full service office where That's they should they have computers and where they should be able to track this kind of stuff. They don't track it. They'll ask the same questions every time I ask them because when they ask, have you traveled here? And I've well, I've traveled here, here, here. And they ask you the questions. They get a supervisor. And I've said, it's okay. The last 17 times they said it was okay, but they have to ask. They don't keep any records of you. And on top of that, they ask you your social security number. I'm like, woo, that's, I feel a little uncomfortable doing that. So here's this teenage nurse asking me for my social security number. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I'm like, mm, wow. So you're there to give away something for free, and they're just making it as difficult as possible for you to do that. It is. Again, I understand they're a great organization. They do a lot. They save a lot of lives. But for me and my, my personality type, that's just too much. And I'll still do it. I, I endure it because I know it's the right thing for me to do. But wow, 10 minutes versus an hour and 10 minutes, it makes my life a lot easier. Yeah. I, I think the lesson here is, you know, for those of you who are 
persuaders, you've got a business, and where there are regulations involved. The American Red Cross here, they, they have certain regulations they have to abide by, like you said, Kurt, to protect against disease and whatever. If you're in finance or if you're in some kind of other business, you have to do it by law. But how you do it can make all of the difference in the world. You can be the drone and very unwelcoming and very tactless about it. Or you can make light of it and go through it in an efficient way so that people feel welcome. You've got to make it as easy as possible for your prospects to do business with you. It's too many people set up their business of, how is this going to be easiest for me? Now, granted, we go into business to make money as easy as possible. I get that. But we've got to have the customer in mind as to how they can easily hand over the money and get the service and be happy with it. The Red Cross is getting a Big, big fat F from what it sounds like to me. Yeah, and I hate to do that because, again, they're a great organization. They save a lot of lives. But when you have those regulations in place, there are ways, I guess, around that. You look at Southwest and the way they deliver their mandatory safety presentation. They have fun with it. They add a little humor to it. You can tell the employees enjoy being there. There's a lot of different things you have to do. And I don't know how many things they can fix, especially the benefit part. All those things people don't know. All they think about is the needle. And, well, okay, it's worth the needle to save lives. But they don't look at the free physical, losing a pound and burning 600 calories, the reduction of a heart attack. I don't have to work out today because I've lost a pound. I'm burning 600 calories. I guess if I eat the Snickers, I still need to – well, I'll break even. I, I won't need to exercise, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. People don't know that. They need to get that message out. It, it sounds to me, even if – the Red Cross had to go through all of this regulatory stuff and ask you every time if you've been to any foreign countries or what partners you've had and all this kind of stuff. It sounds to me like if they had to do that, they could make it at least a lot better by just abiding by the classic what's in it for me. If they really sold in an enthusiastic way the fact that you lose weight, you replace blood, you feel better, you're helping people, and really put that front and center, people would be a lot more willing to go through the the circus and the the regulatory stuff wouldn't they oh yeah and there's other ways around it in fact they've added five to ten minutes to each person giving blood now because before they'd have all the bags ready but that was costing them money by throwing away at the end of the day they only last that day so you have to sit there while they put stickers on all the vials and on all the bags because it's, it's saving them money so they've actually added time but think about it. Can I take the test beforehand online? Can I do it while I'm giving the blood? They can ask me the questions. You know, there's other options. And again, I know there's regulations and they're a great company. They're saving lives. I will give blood to them for the rest of my life. It's almost like they're making it difficult for me to do it. Right, right. And, and that's an interesting issue. We could probably get into it on some future podcasts, but especially with what's happening in healthcare in the U.S. and the world. Where, you know, medical professionals, a lot of times they treat patients like cattle. The whole bedside manner issue. I know there have been multiple studies out there that doctors who actually have a relationship whose patients like them are so much less likely to get sued, even if they're grossly negligent in the care. And I think any of you that have been to the doctor recently, it's just night and day. You've got some nurses that you think, I, I want this nurse the whole time. Others, you're going, wow, this person is just treating me like a piece of meat. And I think with what's happening in the medical world, that's going to get even worse and worse as time goes by here. We don't sue people we like. I mean, what comes down with doctors and nurses and a lot of other professions to where they don't have the bedside manner. They've never been taught how to deal with people. I mean, you can talk about lawyers. You can talk about doctors. You can talk about nurses. 
if they don't know how to deal with people and work with people and understand people and how to deliver the bad news, then they're going to have a long history of lawsuits. That's right. Well, I think to the extent that you can then, just wrapping it up for everybody, you have to be able to get sincerely interested in the prospect. Nothing gets people to like you faster than something like that. Even if you're not necessarily sincerely interested in their personal life, but you're sincerely interested in helping them. If we go back to this medical example, the last time you had a doctor or a nurse that you knew was really listening, and they weren't just treating you like you were on a conveyor belt and they had to get you out of there as quickly as possible. You really, really liked that person. And in any business, any business at all that you're in, especially when we've been talking about regulations that we have to abide by, it's really helpful to just have that involved. Not only will you sell more, but you're going to protect yourself and your business in the legal environment that we live in today a lot more. Wouldn't you think so? Oh, absolutely. People just don't take the time to do it because it's good time management. If you already know what somebody needs, why would you listen to them? If a doctor opened the door a crack and said, yep, you're sick just like everyone else, I'll go ahead and write you a prescription, that would freak you out. That would make you mad. You'd be upset. You're paying them. The doctor's right. The doctor's saving time. But you need to have that doctor listen and ask questions and pretend to care at least. Otherwise, you'll never go back to that doctor. You and I used to talk about this a lot. Kurt and I have done a lot of work over the years where we talk about the doctor who you go in and see him and you say, he says, what's wrong? You say, my head hurts. And he goes, okay, you need morphine, right? Well, <laughs> you're going to feel better. You're going to feel a lot better when that doctor shoots you. Yeah, with some a lot morphine. better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you have a brain tumor, the morphine really isn't getting it done here. Now, Maybe a combat medic could prescribe morphine to all of his patients and get it right a lot of the time. A lot of them are going to need that. But in the real world, that's not the case. The doctor who listens and goes through and understands the problem is going to do the best. That's what we talked about a lot on the last episode, are those persuaders who are able to really tune in and listen with the, the ears, the eyes, and the heart and really take in what the prospect wants. The funny thing about it, Kurt, is is your product might not even match up perfectly with what the prospect needs and wants. But because they perceive you to listen and at least understand it, you're going to get the deal every time. Every time. I mean, when I look at these big multi-million dollar deals that these companies put together and they had similar products, but I said, well, why'd you go with company B instead of company A? They're like, we liked them better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A lot of times that's what it comes down to. We do business with the people that listen, that that we perceive understand us, that like us. That is a big factor in persuasion and influence, and that's going back to Delta, one of their big challenges with all the airlines. So classic. And, you know, I want to introduce, we're going to do a new segment on the show periodically. It's going to be the Persuasion Ninja. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. A little bit cheesy, but we've been talking about doing it for a while, and it's fun. You know, we like to identify a really good persuader when we see one. And I had one actually knock on my door yesterday. We get a ton of door-to-door people in my neighborhood. It's been crazy this summer. (laughs) And and believe it or not, I was in the middle of a pretty important task. My daughter is potty training right now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And we were, uh, I'm not kidding you, as in the middle of the process as we could be at this time. (laughs) And I get this knock at the door and I just kind of say to myself, I need to get rid of this. I need to get rid of this person at the door. And I go, and the second I open it, my heart sinks. It's a sales guy. Why did you open the door, Steve, you idiot? What are you doing? 
right? <laughs> that feeling that most of us have where, okay, oh, now yeah. I've got to tell this guy to take a hike. I should have just never opened the door. Well, he starts going into his presentation, and he's got a great smile. Shakes my hand. Don't know how he did it. I'm sure if we had a tape of this thing, we could reverse it. But I was disarmed pretty quickly. And this guy lets me know he's in the neighborhood. He's got frozen meats, beef, pork, chicken, fish. And he was, quote unquote, just over at my neighbor's house, who's a longtime customer. He's already getting me with the social proof. And I'm going, oh, hey. My neighbor, Kurt, gets that stuff. I actually have a neighbor named Kurt, not you. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> That's so, right. Yeah. He goes through this process. He brings in all the different kinds of meats. He's opening the boxes, showing me the different kinds, talking about when you throw this on the grill within 20 minutes, it's just smelling great, and it's so tender. You throw a little bit of salt and pepper on this thing and, and get it right up to medium, medium rare. You, you don't even need anything else with it. No sauce. And then we get into the fish. So I went from in the middle of potty training a <laughs> three-year-old to spending 200 bucks on frozen fish, all in a period of about five minutes. And I went to that door cranky. <laughs> so I was not going to spend any money. The persuasion ninja of this episode, I don't even know the guy's last name. That's how good he is. His name's Jason, works for a local frozen food company. He was disarming. He was charismatic. He knew how to build value and keep me boxed in as to how I was perceiving the value of his product. He did a great job. He's our persuasion ninja for this our episode. Our first ninja. My hat's off to Jason. As it is, a lot of things, right? I mean, you came to the door hating him, cranky, upset. He won you with his charm and his connectivity. He always built the value to you. You were probably getting, what, $500 worth of meat for how much? I think I got it for about 200 bucks. So the value is there. And something I think that he did that everyone can learn from is he built that mental picture. He didn't say, okay, this weighs 1.1 pounds and this is how many fat grams it has. It was, can you imagine it's on the grill and you're going to smell it? Probably talked about having a family over and you're going to be the hero because you cooked the best meat ever. Oh, yeah. He built this visual picture, and you could see yourself doing it. And a lot of persuaders don't realize that if your prospect can't see themselves doing what you're asking them to do, they'll never do it. You have to create that mental picture. They have to visualize it, to see it, taste it, touch it, feel it before they'll ever do it. That's why a lot of you get so many objections is because they can't see themselves doing it. Or if they've tried it before and failed, they can see themselves doing it and failing. You're still not going to be able to sell your product, your service, your idea. That's right. He was a pro at the law of involvement. He was holding the product. He had me envisioning how it was going to be. We all know that a confused mind says, no, my mind was not confused. I was going to be on the back deck, grilling this stuff, the grill champion of the neighborhood. People were going to be bowing down to my grill prowess. It was going to be fantastic. So here's my question to you. Wait a minute. Yeah. Were you hungry when you opened that door? <laughs> that makes a big difference. Tell me tell me the truth. Were you uh, hungry? I think I was in the middle of the road. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. that makes a difference. I mean, when people go to a supermarket hungry, what they come out with is much different than if they've just eaten. That's why my wife doesn't let me do the grocery shopping. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's also that men, uh, 60% of their purchases are impulse purchases, but that's a, that's a topic for another show. It, yeah, yeah. I buy so <laughs> many random things. <laughs> <laughs> that's why the milk is in the back. So for the guys, they got to get the milk and the bread, and all of a sudden, hey, there's the beer aisle. Hey, there's the chip aisle. Hey, there's the ice cream aisle. It gets us every time. Oh, it's classic. Yeah, the woman says, 
hey, I need you to run over to the grocery store and get some milk. We don't have any milk, and the kids are going to wake up in the morning. It's going to be a problem. And <laughs> you go over there, and it's 1030, and you're feeling like nachos, and you got to walk through that whole grocery store. <laughs> wow, they're pros. <laughs> and it's almost like for males especially that you just can't buy milk, right? You're kind of chintzy, right? you got to have more than just that. you got to just buy milk. What are they going to think? <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's true. I, I had never thought of it that way. <laughs> That's a big part, especially for guys. We're wired a little bit differently. I think everyone's probably figured that one out already. Yeah, we are a little bit ridiculous, that's for sure. Well, we we want to congratulate Jason. He put on his ninja hood and did a couple of backflips down the stairs and went to the next house. I'm sure he closed the whole neighborhood. Hey, he had the social validation, the contrast with the value, the connectivity, the involvement. I mean, we can go down the laws of persuasion, but he hit the home run, took your money, and everyone's smiling. That is great persuasion. I grilled up some stuffed salmon for lunch today, and it was fantastic, and I am very happy with my purchase. No buyer's remorse whatsoever. The guy's a pro. Cool. Well, I think that'll about do it today, Kurt. Any parting words for our loyal listeners? Just... Take what you've learned this week and apply it. I think one of the big ones, we talked about quite a few things today, but that visualization, that mental picture, get them to see it, taste it, touch it, feel it. That's a big piece. Just because it makes perfect sense to you doesn't make perfect sense to them. And the second thing is, is just because it's good time management, just because you know exactly what they need, just like that doctor, you have to listen and ask questions. It may not seem like good time management up front, but in the long run, you'll become very, very persuasive. I think I'm going to post a link on the blog. If you haven't seen this, Kurt, have you seen the the video going around on YouTube called It's Not About the Nail? No, I haven't. Okay, it's going on the blog. I want you to watch it, and then we can talk about it. Very funny way to show that you need to listen. I think the listeners are going to get a they're going to get a good laugh out of it. Be sure to go to maximizeyourinfluence.com, and I will put the link to that video. And make sure you're you're sitting down when you watch it, especially if you're a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I will watch it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining in and for listening to the show. We will catch you next week. See you next week. <laughs>